Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arscadden coming to you live from North Carolina. And today we want to pick up right where we left off in our study of going through Ezekiel and looking at the calling of the watchmen. And today looking at, as Ezekiel points out, the duty of the watchmen or what it says, yeah, the watchman's duty. And understanding what a watchman is called to do as we are here on this wall and probably read these scriptures before and understand this especially if you've been around prayer and intercession um, groups before but we just want to as we enter into this new month of Kislev as it's a we just want to reestablish coming into the new bringing back the hope um, revitalizing those things of past seasons of the, Lord, of the Lord's promises in our lives and we just want to reaffirm that um in our lives and in the territories and the authority that the Lord has given us. And so today we want to build upon what we read in Ezekiel 3 of how even in Acts, when Paul talked about how, look, he, he, he says, I've spoken what the Lord has spoken to me. You decide. If you decide to sin further, the sin is on you. And here we see another analogy from the Lord to Ezekiel in reestablishing this. And, and at the end, there's a, a great point that the Lord makes to Ezekiel in why he so wants to make sure that people understand why the Lord is doing this and the purpose of it all. But first we read here in um, verse 1, it says, And the Lord, word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, If I bring a sword upon the land and the people of the land, take one man from them, from among them, and make him their watchman. And he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows on the trumpet and warns the people. Then he who hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, and a sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his own head. Basically, if he's warned and he doesn't hear at heed to the warning that's not the watchman's fault the watchman did his job then in verse 5 it goes on to he heard the sound of the trumpet but did not take the warning his blood is will be on himself meaning if the watchman heard what was happening and didn't it's on him but if he had taken warning he would have um, delivered his life Continuing on that example, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and a sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. Now, as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel, so you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from your hand. But if you on your part warn a wicked man to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he will die in his iniquity. 
but you have delivered your life. And and here, these next two verses are kind of the, the key point that summarize it all of why the Lord is, is doing this. Not just for the watchman, but for the wicked and the righteous, it's him, him or herself. In verse 10, Now, as for you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus you have spoken, saying, Surely your transgressions and all Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we are riding away in them. How can then can we survive? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die, O house of Israel? And really that summarizes it all. And, and when we remember the um, parable of the ten minas, but before that there was a story of Zacchaeus. I think it's, it's a great outline of seeing where the Lord, okay, when he gives us these warnings of, of you're the ones who he's giving you responsibility, what are you going to do with it? If you sin, he still wants repentance. He wants, as he says, he wants you to turn back from your evil way so that you won't die, uh, and that you will live. And the rest of this week, uh, tomorrow, we'll go through this um, further into this chapter and see what the Lord has to say about both the righteous and the wicked because I think it's a good example of for us to make sure we're not prideful in some areas. Um, but today we want to look at some of the duties of the watchman, and, and same as yesterday, as Ezekiel 3 talks about, as Acts 20 talks about, is... I want to reestablish this principle of if the Lord's given you something to share, to share it, to pray it, to decree it, take that authority. And then we want to continue with the prayer point from yesterday. And again, reaffirming this as we enter into this new season of declaring that the Lord will establish the watchman anointing anew and afresh in you and in your territory and in the authority that the Lord has given you wherever you may be throughout this nation um, and around the world for those who are listening um, elsewhere. So with with that, we want to um, dive into the news of reestablishing the duty of the watchman. And today I want to look at uh, some of the things the Biden administration is doing, some things the Senate has um, before them this week in the lame duck session, and then get into some of the uh, Twitter fiasco uh, to say the least, because it involves the White House and some comments they said and, and want to dissect some of them and then also give updates on some recent results that are coming out of different elections for the midterms in both Arizona and Pennsylvania and give major updates on Georgia as some interesting things are happening there as they continue to wind down towards the final uh, counting and certification of the December 6th. Senate runoff in Georgia. But first, we start with the White House. So uh, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. We're seeing the uprising in China, and the White House more has come out, and a national security advisor has come out and spoken pretty much the same line of the uh, COVID response of basically that the U.S. is not advancing the zero COVID policy. Same thing that was said yesterday. Um, but in the statement from the White House, it was more of saying things of what they're doing to try to prevent um, COVID from spreading, of possibly, you know, the, the shutdowns and, and the vaccines and informing people and all this stuff. 
but not directly speaking out against the crackdown from the Chinese uh, CCP, to say the least. I have to be very careful so I don't get banned. Um, but you can follow us on Rumble <laughs> at Pipeline Intercession for the President or Christmas in the Street Port. You can find us there if we ever get knocked off Facebook, YouTube, etc. podcast. Um, but the interesting... Um, the interesting aspect here is the the White House is kind of mum is the word on the crackdown from the government. It's let's do let's have peaceful protests because that's what they said during the the COVID riots um, and the fires and burnings. So it, it's interesting to see there is they're not coming out and saying oh what the government's doing is wrong. It's oh we think the zero COVID policy is not right, um, but uh, we're gonna say mum we're just gonna focus on what what we want to do. It's quite an interesting ploy there, um, something we just want to pay attention to and see that obviously we understand the relationship with the Biden administration in China and how they're taking uh, narratives from them and even pushing narratives on Canada as well. Uh, another thing, the again, I want to say high level, not dive too deep into this stuff. Um, another news point is action from the Biden administration is while we have obviously the American energy crisis the Biden administration is telling Venezuela that it is okay for you to drill oil. It is okay for you to supply the rest of the world with oil. Meanwhile, the standards that they're able to drill with are more so lack thereof. Uh, it, for those who are environmentally friendly, is um, lacking to say the least. Uh, but yet the Biden administration would rather Venezuela drill and produce oil than America, who would have a higher standard and, and, and would be able to produce it cleaner. And one thing to note, in this article from the Daily Wire, they point out um, an interesting note from some research done from the Wall Street Journal where this is quite interesting, and where the Biden administration has also taken steps in recent months to squander the U.S.'s relationship with Ghana, an ally in South America who wants to try to produce more oil. And according to the Wall Street Journal, America recently blocked a $70 million loan from U.S.-based bank IBD Investments that would have allowed Ghana to upgrade necessary infrastructure in the country to allow exports of its oil. Now, why is this important, Zach? Let me get into that. Um, Wall Street Journal columnist Mary um, Anastasia O'Grady said the Biden administration's reasoning was based on August 20, 2021 Treasury guidance on fossil fuel energy at the multilateral development banks, which says that the U.S. will promote ending international financing of carbon-intensive fossil fuel-based energy. Uh, who is And the question is, is, who is stepping in to help Ghana with this investment? None other than dun dun dun, dun the Chinese Communist Party. How convenient. Um, and O'Grady put it, put it this way, saying that the U.S. government thinks you're a full dear reader. Basically, she's calling out the Obama administration, which is very quite interesting coming from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, she goes on to say that the Biden administration expects you to believe that Venezuela is considering a return to free elections in exchange, she wrote. Venezuela's partners with Iran and Venezuela... And the Venezuelan people have suffered for decades thanks to socialist principles and policies that play in the in South American nation. And thinking that, oh, the Americans and, and these people are none the wiser. This is quite devastating. You have an ally who, who, who is working with you. And then you say, well, because we're going to put this, this climate change agenda, 
we're going to impede on international free market trade. And then who's gonna Ghana's like, we're gonna do it anyways. Either you give it to us or we're going to China. They they because their economy depends on it. So they say, okay, China's gonna give it to this. And I don't know the specifics of the detail, but I can guarantee you that as part of this deal, if they're not able to pay it, then China gets part of of the docks, gets part of the oil, gets some mineral resource. Because that tends to be I'm not saying that without a 100% fact. I'm saying that tends to be the reality of these contracts. And then you're also, if that's not the case, you're also allowing Ghana to start building a relationship with China. Who Ghana is in South America. Who has, Ghana has a relationship with, I mean, China has a relationship with Venezuela and Nicaragua as well. So does Iran. This is very well known, public knowledge. Um, so some disastrous moves being made here by the Biden administration um, and why we want to be aware is pray for them, pray for advisors who are making these decisions. And then lastly, um, some we want to pray for uh, for Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, those in Congress and the Senate. Uh, as the Biden administration has asked them to act fast to hopefully prevent a strike on the railroads between the workers and, and the unions and the companies to shut down the railroads because of a deal hasn't been struck between them that is being reported as good faith um, negotiations but the reality is is we, as we talked about it before three of the 12 unions um, who hold upwards of a quarter of the actual workforce on the railroad systems um, altogether are standing against this deal because there's some things they want in there and so Biden is basically asking them to force a deal in this situation to make sure something gets done so that the railroad system and therefore the economy isn't shut down. So we want to pray for our leaders um, on these negotiations to hopefully get a deal um, put forward that is obviously fair, but also doesn't prevent uh, a strike. All intents and purposes, most likely something will be done, but we also want to pray um, for a smooth transition to this, because this would be disastrous for the Democrats, um, as they are in control uh, of the House right now, and, and this would be Nancy Pelosi's kind of final going off, and, and to say that the economy is shut down, that's something they, they extremely want to prevent, um, involving the railroads, as leads into now some of the things happening in the Senate. So we just want to pray for um, our leaders there, and see some of the responses from this Biden administration uh, as yesterday at noon prayer, we talked about things that are happening in China. So now the Senate today is expected to vote on the final vote in the Senate for the uh, Disrespect of Marriage Act, is what I'm calling it. It's supposed to be voted at 3.45 Eastern. It could take a while. Um, a part of the vote will allow the um, amendment from Senator Mike Lee, which is believed to actually allow a protection for religious and non-profit organizations, both Christian, Jewish, and Muslim, who don't want to adhere to these type of policies and want to prevent um, being sued out the wazoo, depending on whoever the judge is, etc., and which still um, has some major problems as a biblical worldview, of allowing the overturning of um, Defensive Marriage Act and really the understanding 
natural, historical, biblical definition of marriage between one man and one woman to say that those of the same sex, that is defining as marriage, even though it historically never has been, and the whole purpose of marriage um, is reproduction and a, and a covenant union uh, on top of that, and those things unfortunately are fruitless um, from those of the same sex. And so we want, I mean, it's more than likely that it will get voted. I mean, CNN is CNN saying the same. They're saying, "Well, it's, it's just going to go forward." Then it'll go to House for another vote, and then it'll go to the the um, to be reaffirmed. Then, if that goes through, then it'll go forward there. I, I pray the fear of the Lord on these these senators who who are in a position to vote this forward and 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 don't for those twelve to reassess. I do know that um, Senator Tom Tillis, who is retiring here in North Carolina, has had major pushback. Uh, from those here who have concerns, both legally and morally, uh, he has also had some praises from constituents who, or people throughout the country, who are praising him for his decision. He has also said, as we've reported here before, that um, if it doesn't protect religious liberty, then he won't vote it forward. But what is his definition of religious liberty? Does he fully understand? Is he fully aware? Or is he in retirement mode? Because there are there are some representatives who have abandoned their duty of office, abandon their their role as a watchman on the wall, their duty there that they should be adhering to votes as their time on the job is not run out yet. And so where do these senators stand? What's coming before them? Um, and will they vote with the founding <laughs> of this nation, number one, but then also um, with the fear of the Lord? So We'll see today and, and be praying and, and reaching out and paying attention to what is lies ahead. Now, we also, and this one is huge, because um, there's another vote on, we talked, we've been talking about it, a spending bill, or it's, it's a decision that the Senate has to decide of how they want to pass the current, the next year's budget. Do they want it to be an omnibus spending bill, giving Democrats everything they want? spending, 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 stimulus packages, or just do a continuing resolution and then let the next session of Congress and Senate vote forward a budget. And The Hill puts out a good article saying that, well, McConnell holds all the cards in the spending because he can limit and prevent the vote or say, hey, we're not voting for this, but we'll vote for this. Democrats don't want a continuing resolution. They're claiming, and Chuck Schumer said on the, on the floor yesterday um, or a couple days ago, that to do a continuing resolution will harm our military and harm um, the government because we won't be able to have the training and infrastructure and, and, and all the weapons and everything we need to keep up with Russia and China. But if I remember back just two minutes ago, is it was okay to shut all that down during COVID, to not have any spending, nothing, prevent people from actually doing their job because of some, some little jab that they would or wouldn't take. But yet now, because you actually have um, the reality of potentially losing the vote, you're going to try to fearmonger in this situation. And this is politics. This is how it's played, unfortunately. And McConnell's leadership will be in the spotlight as he's, he's going to be put under the pressure. And those who are speaking out against them are going to have a louder voice in this season. And I'm not necessarily saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the reality of the situation. So they'll be put in the spotlight there as those votes come before. 
And the threat is that, well, if they don't pass anything, then the government will quote-unquote shut down December 16th, heading into the holidays, people won't be able to get paid, etc., which that's a mixed bag of marbles there, um, as we saw what happened during um, previous negotiations uh, of spending. And know this, is they could have done this months ago. They could have passed a spending bill. They could have passed a budget bill months ago. But they chose intentionally to wait not only around the midterms, but then intentionally even more so till after the midterms in case some people lost their vote and were on their way out. Or if what was being proposed as the red wave came into being, knowing they had absolutely no shot of passing anything in the next session of Congress as now it looks like the Senate will be split. And the 60-vote threshold is, is very huge in this case. So praying for wisdom and fear of the Lord in this situation uh, for our leaders on this spending bill and, and for those who have been following for a while, we have that dream to stand against the Bernie Sanders agenda, which he wants, continuing stimulus packages, handouts to the American people, which the Lord has showed us will be disastrous and cripple this nation for the next three to four generations if we continue to go down this road. And that's why we want to continue to stand. It's an old prophetic word. We're going to stand on it. Well, not as old as some others we've been we've been reminding people of. But it is uh, not as um, new, per se. And so we want to continue to pray there. All right, moving on. We want to look at this Twitter um, fiasco here. As we've seen the Biden administration uh, be asked a simple question of what are they willing to do when it comes to what is happening at Twitter? And I want, to, want you to hear this question and response, and I'll interject so we don't get um, disbanded. But this, this, is, this is actually a very good question and an interesting response from the White House press secretary. Question about Twitter. Um, you know, there's... This is a reporter from Reuters, just so we're very clear. A researcher at Stanford who says that this is a critical moment, really, in terms of um, ensuring that Twitter does not become a vector for misinformation. So a Stanford professor says we need to watch out for Twitter as hopefully they don't become a vector of quote-unquote misinformation. But then the major question becomes is who determines what is misinformation or true information? Are you concerned the Ministry about of Truth. the, you know, Elon Musk says there's more and more uh, subscribers coming online. Are you concerned about that? And, what and then the, over the weekend, Elon Musk put out a, a, a report and, and made it be known to investors and workers and the public that Twitter is at an all-time high for users and, and daily interactions, uh, which is quite interesting. Tools do you have? Who is it at the White House that is really keeping track of this? And then that's the key point. Who is it and what tools do you have that is keeping track of what is going on in Twitter? Now here's the response, and this is where it gets really, really interesting. So look, this is something that we're certainly uh, keeping an eye on, and uh, look, um, we, you know, we have always been very clear, um, and that something we're keeping an eye on, and and I want to get to this at the end. She says something that's very very interesting, but we're gonna, we're going to continue. So when it comes to social media platforms, it is their responsibility uh, to make sure that um, when it comes to misinformation, when we when we comes to the hate that we're seeing, 
they have a responsibility when it comes to the misinformation and the hate that we're seeing to do something about it is basically what she's saying. The question is, who determines what is misinformation and what is hate? Where is the line there? We've obviously seen those in the past at Twitter have run Twitter into the ground, wasting $300 million per year. And now he's cut the workforce 75% and they're growing even more and more, showing you don't need that many people. She continues. Uh, that they, they take action, that they continue uh, to take action. Again, we're all keeping a close eye on this. We're all, we're all keeping a close eye on this, the White House administration. Uh, uh, monitoring uh, what's, what's currently uh, occurring. And uh, we see, you know, we see it with our own eyes of, of what you all are reporting. And just for, for that's our- key, what you all are reporting. Not to seeing what they're reporting and then looking at the reality of the situation. It's we're going to look at what you're reporting, and then we'll, we'll we might look at Twitter and see if it confirms this or denies this. Tells what's happening on, on Twitter, uh, but again, social media companies have a responsibility to prevent their platforms uh, from being used by any user uh, to incite violence, especially violence uh, directed at individual communities. As ha! So does that include? The child sex trafficking that they allowed for years and years and years and did nothing about. And within one month, Elon Musk makes that number one priority to end and pull down. Are they going to say anything about that? I'm not saying. Elon's perfect. Even right after he said that, he posted a debaucherous meme to try to get Trump back on Twitter. But they have a responsibility to pull down and prevent this hate speech. I say all this to say is... People are aware of what's going on. People are aware, and this is interesting in this case, because you're seeing free speech come about, the left losing its ever-loving mind, and and what we're seeing from those within the left-wing media that the White House pays attention to is that they're saying that Twitter CEO is now the main character and that Elon Musk's disastrous month at Twitter has come to a close, and let's discuss. And it's all about, this is a Vox article. All about going after Elon Musk for the decisions that he's made of firing people because they can't do their job, cutting the workforce because it's bloated and you're losing 300 million. Like, let's put free speech issue aside for a second. As a business, you're, if you're losing $300 million over the last several years and investors are losing money hand over fist because no one is doing their job. Or you're hiring these people for no apparent reason, supposedly. And people who can't write code, which is the basics of Twitter, and only reason why somebody should would be at Twitter in, in Elon's eyes. This is his eyes. And this is the way he's managing it. He's saying, if you can't do code, and he says managers even know how to do code. Because sometimes managers can be put in positions that they don't actually know how to do something. But if they don't know, he, what Elon's saying is if they don't know how to do it, you're going to be fired, and you're going to have to be put on code reviews regularly to make sure you're staying up to date, to make sure you're staying sharp and, and monitoring and making sure you know how to get things done so that you can, number one, do your job because that's what I'm requiring of you. And again, you see this from Vox, but then you see from Elon himself saying, we have been growing. We have more daily user interactions at an all-time high. Cutting costs, cutting the workforce. Advertisers backed away, but they're coming back. Some backed away. Who cares? Like, they leave? Okay, let them leave. 
He's trying to find other ways of revenue. I, I point this all out to just give a specific example of people who are in positions to be watchmen as these journalists, and they're not. And they're going to have responsibility, just as we're going to have responsibility as those in the prophetic intercession movement, to speak the truth of what the Lord's saying, and then also be mindful of what the reality of, and be up to date and sober about what's really going on. So, um, very interesting there. And then we move forward with the stories uh, that are coming out about the election in Arizona. So uh, Maricopa County went ahead and certified their election as the the deadline was yesterday. You also have um, the Mojave uh, County, which is a GOP-controlled county in Arizona, that certified uh, under duress. And there's a video out there of the gentleman who certified the board, um, the elections from this recent midterms and saying that I do this under duress because I'm, I'm afraid to be sued. And the question is, is, well, why didn't you just not certify it if you realize that there are issues? This AG's office is saying there are issues. Let's We want to look into these. We want to see both sides. And now we want to investigate. We're, we're not going to allow this to go to the Secretary of State's office until we look at this and verify because the Secretary of State currently sitting at the Secretary of State seat is running for governor, is involved in this election. Now, at the time we're seeing this happening in Arizona and some issues and things going on, there's a lot of things out there. It's, it's going to be left to what the Attorney General does and then how Maricopa County responds. If you remember anything from the 2020 election, um, there's, it's not a favorable, uh, response from Maricopa there. there there's going to have to be somebody to step in, um, and really force the law in this situation to actually be upheld. But we're also seeing in Pennsylvania, a interesting result come out. So in Pennsylvania, in, uh, Luzerne County, they, the board of elections voted two to two and they had five members, one abstained, saying that there are issues because the lack of ballots, printer jams, etc., things not being read, people not being able to vote. And so he said, unlike in Arizona, I'm not going to certify this election because there were massive problems. And he even calls for uh he even calls for a potential of a new election saying a new election should be held which would deal with some of the universal mail-out ballotings and having people come in what will happen uh is still yet to be determined uh nobody really is reporting as as far as what the rules and everything are because he has a a legitimate concern who got turned away because of the jams who got turned away because there weren't and there wasn't enough paper ballots to be handed out at certain polling places I mean, what do you do in that situation? And I bring this story up because um, this is being reported by Epoch Times and the AP. Bring this story up because there's a lot of prophetic that we have. We want to continue to stand on from Clay Nash to Chuck Pierce to Dutch and, and several others about how Pennsylvania, Arizona, and other states have a decision. You know, the blue plate special that we had from 2020 from Clay Nash, but then the recent one. Uh, from Chuck Pierce about how 
Pencil, states like Pennsylvania, the 13 colonies, needed to reestablish um, the, the founding principles um, in this nation in order for us to move forward into a state of being a nation that upholds the founding principles within this nation. Uh, Karen said, Holmes, Katie Holmes is suing her to be declared governor. I think they're, I think everybody's suing everybody in Arizona from what I understand. <laughs> Holmes is suing ha, um, everybody. And so there's a, there's a whole mess of elections. And then I want to end on this note. We, we ended on it yesterday as well. In Georgia, remember the whole election integrity laws? Well, this is Jim Crow 2.0. This is going to prevent millions of people from voting. Yesterday, this doesn't include what happened on Saturday and Sunday. Yesterday alone, Georgia broke another voting record with 239,000 people um, coming to vote early and cast their ballots in the Senate runoff. Uh, this is this is just the reason I want to point out. This is blowing the the hypothetical narrative out there from those who are called to be watchmen who are saying certain things and it's not coming true the actual as the vox report as some of these other things are happening the opposite is actually coming forward this we'll see if this is good for warnock or good good for walker um because you know traveling holidays etc people coming forward so um we'll see what happens uh but it's interesting to see this narrative of, and this even happened during the actual November election. There were more people who actually voted because of the early voting, because maybe they couldn't take off work, their schedules didn't allow, kids, whatever the case may be, they're voting early. And so this is blowing this all out the water. And and again, we want to continue to stand, as Ms. Sharon says, she, she voted yesterday in a line of 300 plus people. Um, pray, the issue here is, is, Pray for people to go out and vote and vote based upon biblical moral values. And if there are issues, stay in line, vote, or go to another polling station and make sure your ballot gets cast. Don't leave. Uh, uh, don't go home. Don't end the day unless you voted. Uh, and make sure you know it gets counted, that there aren't any issues. And, and making sure that, that you've done your duty and standing for the voice that the Lord has given us thankfully in this nation and, and and just exposing these lies that are out there um about how people are going to be disenfranchised and etc and all this just just complete nonsense um and, and i think it's there's interesting reality that hopefully people are waking up to and again going back to the issues in the senate going back to the issues that the Biden administration is trying to push forward now is this Senate runoff will really determine the powers in the next coming months. So this is one we want to continue to pay attention to as we're coming up on the final ballots being cast on December 6th. So I want to thank each and every one of you for following along. I know it's a lot today, uh, but we really just want to pray for our leaders and cover them um, on a host of these issues as they're dealing with a lot to have the wisdom and fear of the Lord to be able to navigate this season, not given to pressures of man and into the fear of man, but hopefully to uproot that spirit of the rat, uh, fear of man's spirit, and implement and put in its place a spirit and reestablishing of the watchman and of a fear of the Lord for those in positions of authority, uh, both Republican and Democrat alike. 
So with that, I close. Blessings each and every one of you. We'll be back today with our noon prayer at Christian Center Shreveport praying for this nation and the office of the president as I'll be back tomorrow as well. So blessings, and I'll see you guys later. Have a good one.